Welcome to the Imperial Many Minds podcast from Imperial College Business School. I'm your host, Dr. Omar Merlo, Associate Dean of External Relations at the Business School. On this podcast, we share conversations between our expert faculty and global alumni network in business. From the role compassion can play in the business world, to the economics and finance of climate change, from digital transformation to sustainable development and social responsibility, our diverse minds are tackling the questions that matter. At Imperial College Business School, our unique strength is the ability to gather a diverse range of experts. This gives us a broader, deeper, and more cohesive view of the challenges society demands business take a lead on and enables us to design more expansive and groundbreaking solutions. On the Imperial Many Minds podcast, the world's top academics and industry experts will help you find the ideas, skills, and confidence to make better decisions, whether that's in relation to your business or your career. Are you ready to join today's Meeting of Minds? This fifth episode gathers unique viewpoints to help you build your post-pandemic professional connections. A well-maintained network can help broaden your skill set and bring diverse views and ideas that accelerate your work. How do we navigate the transition from digital interactions to face-to-face? And more importantly, how much time and effort are you willing to invest to sustain real connections? I am excited to introduce you to our guests, Dr. Michelle Rogan and Salwad Daraj. Dr. Michelle Rogan is an Associate Professor at Imperial College Business School and the Academic Director of the MSc in Innovation, Entrepreneurship and Management. Her research centers on how individual and social networks affect innovation. She's currently exploring the role of gender and networks in entrepreneurial entry and career mobility. Our guest alumnus joining Dr. Rogan in conversation is Salvador Daraj. She graduated from a Master's in Economics and Strategy for Business in 2014 and is currently a senior consultant at EY Parthenon. In addition to her job in strategy consulting, she is a member of the Alumni Advisory Board of Imperial College Business School and a member of the Board of Trustees at the American University of Beirut. Michelle and Salwa had this conversation in 2021 during lockdown. They reflect on the importance of networking and the impact of the pandemic in how we grow and maintain professional connections today. They also make insightful comments about the role personal relationships play in expanding our careers and lives outside of work. Their conversation was inspired by the article written by Dr. Rogan and Dr. Anna Terval entitled How to Build Your Network After the Pandemic. If you would like to read it, we will link it in the description of the episode. As this is a conversation about networking, I thought I'd step back and leave Michelle and Salwa to it. They began with the question, what is a network and why is it important? I teach a lot about networks to the students at Imperial College, the MBA students, the master's students. Um, I discuss this with the PhD students and um, often the first reaction people have when you talk to them about what is a network is they start to think about their LinkedIn contacts, their um, Facebook friends. And one of the things that I really try and do in my teaching is to help the students understand that their network, the one that really matters for their performance in their work, it's not the network that they have on LinkedIn. Um, I mean, that that is part of it and that plays a role, which Salwa and I hopefully will get a chance to talk about. But It's actually much more about your core network, the people that you go to on a regular basis to ask for advice, um, to, to request resources, to get support, sometimes even emotional support. 
that core network is what's really going to drive performance. So um, what is a network? Um, you know, I think about that as the um, the key people that we go to to help support us in what we're trying to achieve. Um, and that support can take any form from ideas, um, other resources, or even intangibles like emotional and social support. Yeah, Salwa, I don't, how, how do you think about your network? Um, and how do you also see the distinction between your online network and your offline network? The way I define network is, is it's a combination of both. And now with the virtual setting, I think uh, the, the physical network and the virtual one, they, they carry equal weight. Uh, for me, a network is just a web of connections, uh, interpersonal and professional relationships that can cross different con- countries across multiple continents. And I think that our networks form part of the foundation of our lives, mainly on, on the professional side. Um, I definitely be, believe that a widespread professional network is a valuable asset. Um, and having such a network not only provides access to new information, market insights, business opportunities, and possible collaborations, but it can also, um, you know, have uh, introduce us to a wide range of potential career opportunities and can facilitate career transitions uh, at, at different ages and times. So, uh, yeah, in, in, in a nutshell, that's that's what a network is for me. Yeah, I love that you brought up about uh, the, the point about introduction and career opportunities, because I think that's um, one of the things that networks help us do. And um, the academic research actually suggests that it, the way our network helps us achieve those outcomes around finding a job, it happens in ways you might not expect. It's not necessarily the people that you know best that are the ones that are going to help you find that next opportunity. It's usually what we'd call your weak ties. So if you think you could think about your network as having a strong core that really drives a lot of your performance, but then there's another dimension to it. These are more peripheral ties that can be a bit weaker. You might not keep in touch with them as much. Um, so for certain things that we're trying to achieve, like search for something new, whether it's a job opportunity or information about um, some trend in an industry, it actually turns out that we get better information from those weak peripheral ties. Um, the main reason being that the people that are close to us, the ones we talk to all the time, they already know what we know, right? We have a lot of overlap in our knowledge and our information, but those weak ties, they're probably going to know things we don't know because they're, they're operating in different spheres and different parts of the world. Um, so it's often from them that we hear about a new job opportunity, but then we also need those strong ties to work with us to provide endorsement and to vouch for us when you know we need that important reference, when we need somebody to stand up for us and help us actually seal the deal, get the role in the end. Um, you've lived in a number of places around the world. Um, in your work, you actually get to, um, it, just because of the roles you've taken on, you've been able to interact with a lot of different people. How does that relate to the way that your network has developed and um, the benefits that you feel that come from it? 
Well, having multiple roles uh, within EY and outside outside uh, the firm allowed me to to meet a lot of people from different departments, from different academic backgrounds, uh, who are spread across different geographic locations. And my work outside allowed me to interact with a lot of professionals from different industries, uh, possibly ones that we would not have interacted otherwise or would not have uh, have gotten the chance. Uh, to meet otherwise. This has enriched my network in, in different ways on the personal and professional level. Uh, because on, on the personal side, uh, it, it allowed me to, um, to grow on intellectually, to start learning new things, to appreciate uh, new things and have access to information that is not just relevant to what I do, but that's very informative on a wider uh, scale. On the professional level, Having this strong network um, allowed me to access new roles, um, you know, uh, have have information about possible uh, opportunities or, or possible areas where uh, I can collaborate on, a, on an individual level or or on a professional level as well. Um, so it, it definitely allowed me to expand. Um, and I always think of a network. I, I mentioned it before. Strong network is an asset, is a very valuable asset that should be uh, preserved and always actively um, polished in a way, if, if I can use that term. It's, it's important to keep strong personal ties, uh, interpersonal ties, and to, to always not cross the line to make sure that the relationship is genuine. I mean, be it tier one relationships or tier two, uh, and the level of, of how much we know the other, there should be a certain level of a genuine aspect into it. Uh, I think this would not only enrich the relationship and strengthen it, but it would also allow the, the two parties to, uh, um, to always give, give the most benefit to the other willingly. And I think in, in this day and age, a strong network can form one of the pillars of a successful and fast-tracked career. You've said so many interesting things there. Um, you know, to the last point you raised, so I, I actually would call myself uh, jokingly a network convert. Uh, when I started my career, you know, I was always, in school, I was the nerd. I excelled academically and... I started my career thinking that that was enough, that, you know, if I had enough human capital and I just did my work really well, I'd be okay and people would notice and, and I'd get those opportunities. And I started to realize over time that that's step one, but you have to combine that human capital with social capital that you get from building your network so that you can help others see the value that you're bringing to the firm that you work for, for the other people that you interact with in your daily work, and also more broadly in your network. Um, so I think, you know, it sounds like in your experience over your career, you've really been able to embrace both, you know, having that, that human capital, that really strong underlying value. Um, so, you know, your interactions are really genuine. It's about bringing value to the other person that you're working with. Um, but then also combining that with the network that helps you then push that human capital out and help other people notice what you're doing. Um, and then the other thing that I really liked that you said there, Salwa, was about the personal and the professional because um, that's something I've been researching extensively to understand how 
Um, our network can be comprised both of the relationships that we have to use as part of our job, right? The ones that are tied to what we do formally in our role within the firm. But then our network also comprises a whole set of relationships that we maintain based on the value we bring as an individual, right? And that part of our network, that's going to stay with us no matter what. It goes with us through our career where that firm network is what we're sort of activating and using specifically in the role we have in the company we're working for at that time. Um, so I, I, I think also the two overlap at a certain point uh, where your personal relationships or your personal network can add value to your professional network. Um, I mean, with your professional network, a lot of times some of the people that you know, others already know them. And uh, yes, they are adding value to the firm, they're adding value to the business, they're adding value to, to you and your professional experience. Uh, but when you bring in the personal network as well, that's, um, you know, it's, 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 it's a whole new category that can add value to you personally. And then you can integrate that value into your, your professional uh, network as well. Absolutely. Right. So, and this is this is exactly what um, I found in research I did with one of my collaborators looking at a consulting firm. So um, I can't say which one. It wasn't EY, but very similar. Um, and we found that the partners in that firm that were able to build networks that had both that sort of uh, formal firm level component, but then also a strong individual component, those partners were the ones that were better at identifying new business opportunities for the firm. They were better at identifying new knowledge for the firm. And a lot of it comes from that dynamic you were just talking about where your personal ties, those individual ties are going to expose you to different information and ideas than the rest of your colleagues are likely hearing because they're connecting you to different people. So you came to London, or you're, you're not from England, right? So you came to London to study at Imperial College. How did that experience affect your personal network? And do you have ties that you developed during that time when you were at Imperial College that you still connect to today? What, what role do those play in your network right now? Studying at Imperial introduced me to uh, a huge network, be it from the university, from from my program, from other from other programs, um, and also being in London introduced me to to a much wider uh, network. Um, I've I've stayed in contact with a lot of my classmates, my friends, and we're all spread across different different continents. Some of us work in similar disciplines, but a lot of others they've taken another path. And some works uh, work with uh, you know banks, startups, retail companies, and so on a professional level, we're quite uh, we're quite diversified. Uh, but also, studying at Imperial allowed me to see the importance of a network uh, and how to how to view it and how to grow it and how to uh, stay connected. And I think part partly what allowed me to expand my network through Imperial, even after graduation, was the fact that I wanted to stay in contact and in touch with Imperial because I've learned so much and because it had the, the experience. It changed my uh, professional perspective, changed my uh, mindset in different ways. And wanting to stay in touch because I valued this institution allowed me to reach out to a lot of people. And the fact that they were responsive encouraged me to expand on that even more. Um, and so for me, it, it, it 
Studying did not only provide me with the opportunity to meet new people and network, people with similar mindset, with, with similar, uh, you know, um, aspirations and, and mentality in a lot of way, uh, but also to, to see the value of that. And again, I would like to highlight the, the value on a personal and professional level because you mentioned at the beginning the support system. And a lot of, a lot of my friends, they form the backbone of my support system and we've stayed in touch although we're, we're not living in the same city anymore but we make sure to travel every now and then to meet each other and whenever I'm in London generally I'm uh, I visit London about three or four times a year so we get to, to see each other and uh, this has kind of kept the momentum and because we knew each other as students, this allowed us to, um, you know, form a very personal bond. So now we introduce each other to our own networks and see where we can help out. That is such a wonderful description of, you know, I, I've only been at Imperial for a couple of years now, because um, like you, I've moved around a lot. I've lived in different countries. I've worked for different organizations. Um, but one of the things that I've noticed in the classroom is just the tremendous diversity of different backgrounds and people that come together in one group. Yet over the time that the students are together on campus or this past year virtually together, um, there is this really strong cohesion that develops. Um, so even though people come from diverse backgrounds, they find those points of similarity. That, so that helps them develop what uh, one of my colleagues, Anna Terwal, he describes as a diverse closed network. Um, closed sounds a little bit negative the way I say it there, but in, in sociology, uh, we can talk about networks uh, having closure, meaning that more of the people in the network are also connected to each other those types of networks help with coordinating uh, across, coordinating resources, coordinating with each other, sharing uh, beliefs about uh, the ways that things should get done, uh, acting collectively. Um, but having that, the power of that coordination capability of the network with the diversity of all the members inside the network, I think that's the really powerful combination that often comes out of these kinds of moments when you know people all come together to study in the same place, especially in a place like London that attracts so many different people. Um, so, and, and it's just a wonderful springboard. Then, as you were saying, once you have that, then you can help introduce people within that network to others within your network, and and all of that sort of endorsement and referrals helps to provide even greater value to everyone that's part of it. All right, so, so how, with all of the uh, disruption with the pandemic and lockdowns, how have you been able to continue to build and maintain your network? Uh, well, it's been interesting. Let's put it this way. <laughs> uh, the social restrictions by default, uh, you know, eliminated, eliminated the physical interactive part of networking, uh, which is of critical importance because of the interpersonal connection that a uh, face-to-face communication can, can provide. And, uh, generally physical interactions allow for deep discussions to take place as opposed to digital communication, which can keep us at the shallow end of conversations. Of course, social restrictions are also increasing the time gap between potential interactions and meetings. Um, and I think that sometimes, possibly, unfortunately, when someone is out of sight, uh, he or she is also out of mind. Um, having said that, 
the complete shift into the parallel virtual professional environment um, has also created several new opportunities for networking. The fact that we are all online, always present for most of the time, has improved our openness to virtual work environments and professional gatherings, uh, and in a way forced us to be open, be social, and to adopt the virtual setting as a new norm for the time being and possibly for the near future. Um, and because we are living in this virtual setting for most of the time, uh, cross-border networking became easier uh, because the location does not matter anymore. And anyone can reach out to another professional at the same company or at another company uh, whom they've never met before. But uh, they, they admire their work and can possibly ask if they would be interested in grabbing uh, a coffee virtually. I don't think this would be perceived as inappropriate, uh, whereas a year and a half ago, this may not have been a very common approach. I think that something that's consistently important in both physical and virtual networking is being socially interesting, informed, interactive, and uh, having social intelligence. The standards of social etiquette, uh, charisma at times can also play an important role. And with, with everything that's been happening, I think, yes, definitely the 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 level of, or volume of physical interactions has dropped, but the intensity of communication increased. We're always at meetings, uh, you know, in and out of, of discussion sessions and receiving emails because everyone wants to meet someone new. Um, we're, we all want to interact. We all want to expand our network. Uh, so I, I think that some people have, have found it very, um, you know, uh, fulfilling to reach out to people and uh, to try to seek new, uh, new interactions. And also in virtual meetings, at the beginning, it was very, um, you know, very focused. There was a clear agenda. This still is the case because we're always short on time. We're running from one meeting to another. But there's five minutes at the beginning where, you know, people want icebreakers. And at the beginning, it was the discussion revolved mainly around the pandemic. But because we're, we're kind of burned out of that as well. People want to know each other more on a personal level because this is the only medium now. I think most of us have been pretty good at maintaining the relationships that we had before the pandemic started. So maintaining that core set of relationships, but it's been a lot harder to you know, continue those spontaneous interactions with people we know less well, because it is a little, you know, if I think about the, in my case, it would be the parents of the my children's classmates at school drop-off that I would normally have a short conversation with in the morning, and I might learn about some work that they're doing that's really relevant to some research I'm working on. It would be a little awkward for me to contact all those parents to ask for Zoom meetings of 10 minutes each in the morning, right? So it doesn't quite translate. Um, so one thing I'm really hopeful for as we move out of the pandemic is that we're able to find that blend of taking the best of what was working for really broadening our networks ge geographically um, through the technology, but then also recovering that spontaneous face-to-face -face interaction as well. Yes, yes, I completely agree. And I think now we're all trying to make the effort to make that happen. Uh, I mean, I, I remember uh, a few few months back, I called everyone I work with. It was just, I, I, I basically spammed their calendars. <laughs> and I just wanted 10 minutes to say, hi, how are you? How are you doing? How is everything? How's your family? Uh, and it was just, you know, to have... Um, 
uh, a work-free personal interaction that would generally happen when we're at the office grabbing a coffee together or, you know, if we bump into each other in the hallway, that, that kind of interaction. I always think that having a strong personal, uh, trusting relationship, it, it doesn't need to cross a lot of borders, but just, you know, the minimal expected level of personal relationship strengthen the professional one. Whatever you're offering, a lot of people can offer something uh, similar or, you know, something that can clump, come close to that. But it's the personal element that differentiates one person from another, one relationship from another, and definitely strengthen it at times. Hopefully not the other way around. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and a lot of that, um, it really comes from having a willingness to invest something of yourself in the relationship, right? So, and, and I think this goes beyond charisma, right? We often think about great networkers as being extroverts that can just talk to anybody at a party that um, are at ease socially, but actually a lot of really great networkers are probably introverts, but they're willing to invest the time, the resources and energy into building that bond. And it can be something as simple as remembering from the conversation that you're, um, your colleague is really interested in a particular type of food and sharing a restaurant recommendation. Or if it's a more professional interaction, uh, remembering that some uh, business contact was trying to learn about trends in a particular industry and sharing an article with your insights about it on top of it, you know, with that person to help them and just show that you're there to invest in building that relationship further. Um, and those, thankfully, are things that we can do uh, through online interaction as well as through more face-to-face -face discussion. When we teach about networks with the students at Imperial College, we try and help them understand you really need to cultivate your network, right? It's not something, it's not a switch you just turn on and off. And the more instrumental you are in choices about to whom you'll build connections, the less value you'll get from that network because um, people will see through that, right? They, you know, no one wants to feel used, right? You, you know, if, if someone reaches out to you um, and it's clear that they specifically have an agenda and it's about something they're trying to get from you, those are the sorts of actions that aren't going to yield a really strong network. But these interactions that come often through um, spontaneity, serendipity, that you then invest in and cultivate and build over time, those are the relationships that you can then turn to later on to ask for help. Um, and then you'll get it, right? Those will be reciprocated. So, you know, we, we talk a lot about how, um, in fact, networks are earned, not built. Right. So earning those networks, um, making yourself an asset to those that you connect to can be really important for enjoying the benefits that they bring. So, you know, I think we're all looking forward to coming out of lockdown in different parts of the world. And um, it's useful to stop and think about what we need to do to prepare ourselves for life post lockdown, how to prepare our networks for that time, um, and how to think about continuing to build our networks once we're able to resume more of our previous habits of face-to-face of -face meetings and so on. And, you know, one of the things that I think it's really important to keep in mind is, you know, we've been starved of face-to-face -face interaction. Um, there are so many people that I think 
we just just because of the additional effort and time it takes to maintain relationships online, there are so many people that we haven't been able to interact with um, during these past months, almost, you know, for many of us, even a whole year. And um, I think the one thing to keep in mind is not to fall into the trap of over networking, right? You know, immediately rushing out and trying to do so many lunches and so many dinners and so many meetings, um, and and to also be careful not to over promise and under deliver. So one of the key uh, things that uh, is really important for effective networking is to be consistent in what we promise to deliver within our network. So if we say to someone let me do that introduction for you, or I can send you information on that, or I'll help you organize that event, right? You know, if you want to build really strong network relationships that will help you in the future, you need to follow through on those promises. So, um, you know, if there's one piece of advice I have for people to think about as we come out of this um, lockdown in, 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 London, in London, where I am now and other parts of the world is just to be careful not to over network um, and to think about uh, how to, you know, pick up on the important relationships that you haven't been able to maintain as well because of the move to everything being online. How are you thinking about your network post-pandemic, Salwa? For me, in order to be prepared for post-pandemic networking, I think there are two areas, two separate areas to, to prepare for. The first one is on the personal level is you know, to focus on continuous personal development, learning new stuff, uh, learning new information, polishing our skills, learning new skills and trying to grow. So this is on one side. On the other side, uh, I completely agree in doing things in moderation. I don't think we should rush and try to compensate for everything that we missed out on in one month. But I also fear that we may be too stuck in our comfort zone because we got used to doing everything remotely. And so the physical interaction is not as that, it's not as important as it used to be, but it's something that's, you know, further from where we are right now. And it may take us some time to reintegrate into that. From now, we need to set the scene, set the foundation for when we start networking in person again. You know, if we look for a silver lining to some of the issues we've had to cope with with lockdown, it's definitely um, helped us think at Imperial College Business School about how we can help our students continue to build and maintain effective networks despite all these changes. Um, we've got new means of helping our current students connect with different alumni from around the world. And then we've also been working with helping the students connect to the local London ecosystem. So, you know, at the moment, a lot of that is still happening online, but we're hoping very quickly to start to shift to doing more face-to-face -face interactions in particular. So I, I'm working a lot with students that are um, interested in having uh, launching startups after they graduate from Imperial College Business School. So um, I'm working with them to facilitate interactions with Scale Space. This is a joint venture that we've set up with Blenheim Shellcott, getting our students to interact with the entrepreneurs there, providing opportunities for them to um, participate in hackathons, um, and e even just to um, arrange meetings where there's more opportunities for spontaneous interactions and sharing of knowledge between them. 
as an alumni of uh, the business school, how has the school been helping you continue to build your network over time? Well, the school has been doing so in several ways, and uh, this has actually increased during uh, during the pandemic time. Um, starting from uh, virtual networking, virtual uh, recruitment sessions, online gatherings and social events, uh, webinars with breakout rooms that happen afterwards. Uh, and I think the, the launch of the new application, uh, which is aiming to uh, create a virtual ecosystem where students and alumni can interact, uh, has, has helped a lot. Um, and among other events, uh, from my personal experience with, with the business school, I think one of the most effective programs that can support networking is the student alumni mentoring program because it allows students uh, and alumni to interact with each other and to possibly have access and to tap into each other's networks. So you've actually been working with current students at Imperial College um, to mentor them on different aspects of their careers. So how does that relate to this topic of networking? And can you say a little bit about your interactions with those students? Yes, I've been, I've been doing student mentoring for about three years now, three plus. Uh, and I did start up mentoring. And with that, I, I met different students uh, from different, different uh, programs. Uh, it, it's, it's definitely a very interesting experience because we get to know each other one session after another. And, um, you know, the first couple of interactions are mostly to understand what we do, understand each other's interest and try to, um, to establish some form of trust. And as literally, literally, as you just said, to, to, to work on cultivating our own interaction. You know, I, whenever I, I talk to students, a lot of their interest is, is, is to how get a particular job and how to reach out to someone and what's accept what's considered acceptable and what's not uh, and how they can follow up with that one person they met at an imperial imperial um you know networking event you know, should i send an email should i should i uh, you know wait a couple of days or not and it's basically about what are the rules of interaction what they're looking for and i think was also what i'm looking for from from this interaction is to um, meet new people and then from their end they want to tap into my network and you know if I can introduce them to someone or if if you know I happen to know someone at a particular company uh, where I can refer them to a particular position where I work uh, so it's it's that kind of relationship where you establish trust and then build on that because I reflect on my own personal experience generally even if I want to network with someone I, I need to like them on a personal level I need to uh, be aware of what they do, admire what they do, respect that uh, in order to be able to communicate what I intend carefully. And also uh, this relates back to care and to being genuine. It, it needs to be real and they, the other party needs to feel it. And I always tell, tell that to, to, to my mentees. Um, and the level of relationship that we build extends beyond the program. I mean, I worked with one mentee, I think it was back in 2018. We got to meet uh, in person in 2019, and until now the program ended. They've graduated from Imperial. They've uh, already started their career, and we're still in close contact. So um, it's it's that kind of relationship that I aim to have with others, and I always tell my mentees to to aim to have with with other people across their network as well. You know that lasting relationship. We check in every now and then with with each other. Uh, they call me up for advice whenever they need it. Uh, but we've definitely extended it beyond the program because um, 
we, we cultivated and strengthened that relationship. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you've you've made it, you know, going back to that distinction between the relationships that we maintain, they're formal, we're expected to do that as part of our role within an institution, an organization, and then the ones that are really more about us as individuals, you know, there's this dynamic where even if a relationship was initially formed as part of a formal program, by both sides investing in that and bringing more of themselves to that relationship, it can be transformed from that formal role relationship to something more individual that actually can stay with you, um, whether you continue to participate in the mentor program or not, whether that person is still a student at Imperial College or not. That concludes this Imperial Many Minds conversation. If you enjoyed it and want to explore this topic further, there's an article written by Dr. Rogan that expands on the points covered during the discussion. You will find the link to the article in the description of the episode. Thanks to our guests, Dr. Michelle Rogan and Salva Daraj for sharing their knowledge and experiences. That's it for today. Thank you for joining us in this episode. Make sure to subscribe and share or search Imperial Many Minds to find out more. In the next episode, Professor Celia Moore and alumnus Avni Vij will be talking about flexible working for women and how the pandemic transformed work culture. The Imperial Many Minds podcast series is brought to you by Imperial College Business School. While others speculate on the future, Imperial College Business School's diverse minds are designing and building it. Imperial means intelligent business. This podcast was produced by Prong Productions. 